Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Kenneth, here's the question. How you doing, man? I can't complain, man. As always, glad to be here, man. Glad to be able to talk some uh, Miami Heat ball. You know how we do. Let's get it going. Absolutely. So, First off, we want to tell you about our social media game up in the 305 Culture Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at JJRIV, as in Victor E R A N B A. And where can they find you, my friend Kenneth? They can find me on Twitter at K said K. That's K underscore S A I D underscore Q U E. Again, K said K on Twitter. And on Instagram, that's I M K Serious. I M K C I I. R-R-U-S, again, I-A-M-K-C-I-R-R-U-S, I-M-K-Serious on Instagram, and let's get it going. Yeah, so first off, this has been a pretty eventful week for the Miami Heat band, finally returned. You know, we had a really good podcast with Roger Galo, you should definitely check that out. We had a lot of talk, we didn't talk a lot of the of the games in general we talked just nba basketball miami heat basketball right specifically right. No spe- that's what i was about well i think you got that a little reversed but the people get what you said we didn't talk about any games specifically but just yeah, basketball and miami heat generally it's okay jj we we, we synergy brother synergy that's why i'm here <laughs> but still moving on to the first game since that pod the portland trailblazers game no damian Lillard for the blazers obviously who has been Dealing with an abdominal injury, he's going to be out for quite some time. Let's so, give let's give two seconds there, JJ. So, what's your take on the Damian Lillard situation? Does he come back? Is it done for Damian Lillard in Portland? Are they gauging to see how far they can go? Because I don't think there's a chance they can get into playoff contention or even play in contention. What, what's the what, what's your quick synopsis on the Damian Lillard in Portland situation? I wouldn't be surprised if we. I think. Shit, I would be surprised if we see him again this season, to be honest. This is a lost season for Portland. There is they have nothing to play for right now other than I mean shit, I wish I wish I could say the development of young guys, but it's not like that roster is young. Right. Fernie Simon and Fernie I mean, Simons looks like he can ball a little, Nasir Little. Nas- you know, I was about to say the- Nasir Little. If you talking about keeping Larry Nance Jr. long term, those will probably be your youngest guys. But other than that, this is a season in limbo for the Portland Trailblazers. They're, they have some, this offseason, they have to ask themselves some very deep questions about their current roster construction. Yusuf Nurkic, I believe, is a free agent. They, the, oh, did he re up last year? They, or did he, let me see. I, that's interesting. I thought, because remember that after the playoffs last year, wasn't that whole thing with Yusuf Nurkic? A, I think he's a, pr- a free agent. If I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, maybe. Oh, oh no! Maybe and I'm... you might be right, or maybe it was an option last year. Okay, no, it wasn't an option. You're right. He's a free agent um, after this season. But I thought there was a whole thing last year about him being traded or something. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, man. It's, it's definitely reckoning time 
Um, and ugh, ugh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those situations where the worst place to be in sports is purgatory, which is in the middle. You're not good enough to make a deep run. You're good enough to get like a seven, eight in the current era of the playoffs, play in seed to possibly make the playoffs. But you're never going to go any further than maybe, you know, beyond the first round, second round at absolute best. But you don't suck enough to get a top pick to completely start a rebuild or to gain assets. It's the worst place to be in sports, man, especially in the NBA. Yeah, sounds a lot like how we were doing in 2017, 2018. We were just like just the Miami Heat were not very good nor very bad. I agree, so, man, but comparatively speaking, as we continue to go into this game between the two, they don't have a Spo or a Pat Riley to cook the books, though. That's the big difference. Nor an Andy Ellisberg to work some salary cap magic. Absolutely, absolutely. Didn't, didn't, didn't mean to short him. Absolutely. Imperative, so important, and impeccably good at what he does. Yeah. So, still, you gotta, they got to ask themselves, what's the ceiling with the Dame-CJ pairing? I wouldn't be surprised if one of the of one of the two or both of them end up getting moved in the offseason and just Portland hits the hard reset button. Right, because I mean that's the answer that we've seen. I mean, you have to say that that question has been answered as far as we've seen what the ceiling is. You know what I mean? And I mean back to that whole laying in the middle situation. You have to, you know, make the I guess like you said, ask yourself some hard questions which are inevitably going to come with hard answers. It's like We've seen the ceiling, which is good enough to get put out in the second round. Maybe reach a Western Conference final and then proceed to get smoked by the Golden State Warriors. But anyhow, let's talk about the actual game. The Miami Heat defeated the Portland Trailblazers 104-92. Off a, it was a bit of a back-and-forth game. Jimmy got tossed earlier in the game. for. We can't seem to keep all our guys in the game when we play Portland, man. No. Our last game, it was Tyler Hero late. Kyle Lloyd early and then uh, seemed like a similar situation where the ref decided to make it a him show. Uh, Jimmy got tossed in the same one. Oh, and here's the reason. Egregious profanity. Oh, okay. So we're we're supposed to be choir boys now. Okay. This is the Miami Heat you're talking about, ref. Anyway, the game was won. Obviously, this sounds like cliche, but for this game in particular, it applies so well. In the fourth quarter, that fourth quarter was just something else from the Miami Heat. Defensively, I mean, it sh it showed how great Bam Adebayo is. That you cannot take for granted Bam Adebayo's greatness on the defensive end. Sure, some people might get frustrated by him on the offensive end, but that that defensive end of his, that's just on defense. He's, I would say, he's the best defender in the NBA. You said it. I agree wholeheartedly. I don't, I mean, like, I can't add anything to that. I mean, basically, you kind of summed it up, man. It's all about the fourth quarter. If you look at the first three quarters, yeah, the numbers are slightly off or whatever. It might not be totally balanced, but in the grand scheme of things, even 26 to 23 Blazers in the first period, 30 to 35 the Heat in the second period, 24 to 20 the Blazers in the third period. I mean, a pretty even game through three. But then you look at that fourth period, um, which will set you up you know, for this lob that I'm about to throw, ironically enough, talking about a lob and the guy we're actually talking about, that he outscored the Blazers 26-12 to 12 in that fourth period, which basically, you know, catapulted them to the 104-92 to 92 win. And, I mean, you mentioned it in our pre-show discussions. 
um, about the guy that you want to mention who, you know, is an essential mention because he's the big reason why we were able to outscore them in that final period, 26 to 12, with 26 being another ironic number here. The floor is yours, my friend. Uh, yeah. God, <laughs> I forgot about who we were talking about. Jesus. I, I, I just, I was looking at the app here, checking out the box score, but yes, we, I believe we were talking about Bam and Abayo. Also, I would be remiss if we didn't mention Dwayne Dentman in that fourth quarter. Absolutely. I mean, I thought you, I threw you the lob for Caleb Martin, man. What are we doing? What oh, are we doing? Well, we it, doing, slipped through, it, it slipped through my hands, or I missed the, the layup. It's all good. Uh, Caleb uh, wouldn't miss the lob. I just want you to know that. Caleb is catching um, the lob. He's jumping in the air, putting it between his legs, throwing it behind his back, spinning around twice, looking off in the crowd to see who else is looking, and then throwing it down, JJ. I need you to be where Caleb Martin would be, okay? Oh, uh, oh and don't forget, sprinting back to the other end of the court. Absolutely, and going to be the first man back. I agree. So, yes, Caleb Martin. This was – how many Caleb Martin games have been – had there been? This has just been – At least an, two or three, yo. At least two or three. This has been an incredible flying by this organization. I, he has surpassed every single expectation I had for him. And it, you, beyond – expectations couldn't have been this high for him, bro. Because, like, mine well, Nobody could have predicted right, this. Right, exactly. And that's what I was saying. Not you, not me, but generally – who could have had this high of expectations? And I said this, and of course, you know, hit me with your line, JJ, when I say it. You'll know the line I'm talking about. Um, you can check me out for all of your written Miami Heat needs daily, weekly, monthly, wherever you do it. Preferably every hour on the hour, though, at allyoucanheat.com. And I bring that up because uh, check I Check him out, y'all. Absolutely, JJ. Thank you, there. I wrote in the last uh, week or so. Well, I'm sorry. I edited one of our great writers over at All You Can Heat actually wrote the piece. Um, speaking of our great writers at All You Can Heat, don't want to get too far away, but JJ is also one of those great writers now, so we just got to get him writing and give you guys something to check out. But back yeah, to that something, piece. Something will be coming soon. Okay, you heard it here, guys. I'm going to hold him to it for you. Um, <laughs> the piece in question, the headline goes, is Caleb Martin the greatest two-way player ever? And, I mean, it sounds, you know, it sounds – Half sounds like hi- or it sounds, it sounds like hi- hyperbole, right? It sounds like hyperbole or maybe even innuendo or like we're hinting at something, you know, figuratively. It's like, no, literally, this guy might be the best two-way player ever. And the two-way contract is young as a mug in the grand scheme of things. So you have to include that factor. But has there ever been another guy on a two-way contract that I won't say maybe there's been another two-way guy that's more talented, but from the aspect of actually making an impact for to winning for an organization like the Miami Heat that's winning at the level that they are winning at this year and you having such a part or impact on all of that, I don't know if there's ever been another two-way player with this type of impact on a winning situation such as Caleb Martin's in the Heat. Am I tripping, JJ? You might not be tripping. I will refrain from from giving any type of opinion. Don't call me a coward or anything. It's just oh no, that- and that's why and that's why I framed it that way with the question because you you know you don't want to make declarations about the best anything ever because there's so much data. But it's like the fact that it's even worth a question is worth it. Didn't mean to cut you off. Just wanted to say I'm not gonna call you a coward. I get it. I get it. I understand. No, and. I understand what you're what what you're saying, and you might not be far off. However, okay, 
what I could have expected from him was maybe a good rotation player. But he has been a guy that has been starting games for us and has been really good on both ends of the floor. And, you know, I <laughs> I could not see this coming. I don't think any Heat fan saw this coming, to be honest. If you had to, if you had to bust it down to an eight-man rotation right now, he would be in it. And he's going to be in a playoff rotation. I Absolutely. 100%. I'm just saying, like, I, I, I want to say, so I go, I start in five, right? Yeah. And then and then I go Tyler. Tyler. Dwayne Detman. And, and that's why I struggle because you know I love Dwayne. And Dwayne is huge. So I put Dwayne at seven, but then I have to put Caleb Martin at eight. Because though you could say, well, Max comes through and has explosive games, what Caleb does comes through every game. Every yeah. single game. And that that's no slight against Max Cruz. And you know what? It always depends on playoff opponents. We all sometimes see some guys play more against some opponents. Absolutely. We sometimes see other guys. Absolutely. But that's but that also goes to that point because the thing that has also helped separate Caleb on top of his improving three point shot, which has made me dub him the menace, because that boy's offensive game has just exploded since he came to Miami. Um, but the defense, bro, like you can stick him on one through four and be okay with it. You don't want him guarding fours a ton because he's still on the smaller side from an NBA perspective, but the guy's defense, one, two, three, or four, you feel pretty comfortable. And for a two-way guy to, you know, take on that responsibility for a Miami Heat team, I just think that's saying a ton about it, man. Yeah. I mean, props to him. He has been <laughs> he has been so much more than anybody could have. He's beat He's been so good beyond our wildest imagination. Jesus, I, I, I'm running out of words to describe him. So I know, let's man. Just... Caleb Martin got him stuttering, guys. He got him stuttering. Now, let's I talk... know you. I know you heard the quote. I want to get to this before you get to that. He said after the game, when Jimmy Butler's out, I try to be Jimmy. Oh my God. Oh my lord. I, I melted. I almost fell out my chair when he said it. I know Jimmy was in the back of the locker room somewhere going off, but I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't contain myself. Yeah, I, I was surprised there wasn't just a random picture of Caleb and, and an Instagram caption of Jimmy Butler's account saying he ain't shit or something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's talk about our guy, Bam. This is requisite talk. You know that, Kenneth. Bam Arabayos, you all know, my favorite player. He showcased why every single Heat fan should be ecstatic about the future with this man on our team he switched i think he basically guarded almost every single guy on the floor for again in the blazers and he held his ground not only held his ground he was wreaking havoc he caused turnovers missed shots blocked shots he was getting after it on the offensive end and that fueled a ferocious fourth quarter for the miami heat and this was, it was just a beauty to watch. That was Miami Heat basketball. Absolutely. And for big sporting contests, you always hear the comparison of a boxing match made round for round, blow for blow. But to go for that comparison again, um, and this is a loose one, follow me here, but you probably had mm -hmm. Blazers, you probably had Blazers offensive players over there telling their coach, it's five of them out there. I don't know which one they hit. Because Bam was everywhere, bro. Like you said, 
covering the drops, covering the uh, screener, covering the ball handlers, switching onto the top, dropping back down, guarding the rim, helping on the passes, getting in the passing lanes. If you needed it done late in that Blazers game, Bam Adebayo did it for you. Yeah, he was sensational. You know what? This was just a fantastic game. But we unfortunately got to move on to the other game of the week. Unless you have something else to add to this game, Kenneth, I think. I do. I do. One last thing. After the game and speaking to us all of that great defense that we're talking about, Eric Spoelstra had a quote. Um, and don't get me – I'm not going to exactly quote it. I, I'm going to try to get as close as I can. But basically to this notion, that last quarter probably made my boss really happy. That was what Eric Spoelstra basically said. Basically, hinting at the fact that if you want to make Pat Riley smile from ear to ear, you play Miami Heat ball, tough defense, and play a gritty, nasty, mean, hardworking brand of ball. That's the way to get the you know the most the most pride out of Pat Riley. So I just thought that that was fascinating that you know Spo made it a point to say that to open up you know his presence. Yeah, I I, I think I saw the quote. Didn't he also say that? Zoe, Tim Hardaway, damn, yep, I, yep. I always butcher his last name, Ma- Marley. Marley, yeah. Uh, they'll all be proud of, of what, of, of this team, what they did in that Absolutely. fourth quarter. Absolutely, because they won it on defense, man. Don't get me wrong. You had to score the points. But like I said, the last period after the Blazers had proceeded to score 24 more points in every other quarter of the game, they held them to half of that, 12 points. That's winning Heat basketball right there. Yeah. So, let's move on to the other game of the week. The one Where that we're you get recording. a game with no damn defense? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump the gun. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we had no defense in this game. Although, well, the fourth quarter, they turned it up. Right. I give you. I was about to say, I should give them a little credit. They did. Yeah, they turned it up big in that fourth quarter. Fortunately, it wasn't enough. We got to talk about those last two plays for the Miami Heat. But before we get to that, we need to talk about first Duncan came back with a vengeance in this game. He was draining. He made like four threes in the fourth quarter. He only had one the previous three quarters. Then he exploded in the fourth quarter. Bam was outstanding once again. He got he. I missed him so much. It, this was a long month without him. Gabe Vincent played pretty well offensively, but yeah, on the defensive end, the Heat were getting picked on. Like the Hawks were getting good shots. Kevin Herter was hurting us from no pun intended. But... I see what you did there. I see what you did. <laughs> no, I just realized it. No pun intended, but yeah, that was. I feel proud of myself about that. Anyway, the three point shot for for him and specifically was going for him Trey Young and he's and he's been struggling this season so to see him come back or not necessarily I don't know if this is his comeback game but to see her to shoot like that against us didn't feel good because he's been having a down year yeah Trey Young it's maddening how people how teams have been forced to guard him because I sometimes feel like the refs reward him for being the the smallest guy in the court and when he gets a small bump they get a, they call a foul Totally. But he also, I also have to give him credit. He's a pick and roll maestro. He commands the attention of everybody on the floor. Absolutely. The it's Heat were, the Heat were tra- yeah. The Heat were trapping him at the top of the key or were whenever 
there was a screen coming towards him. He was making the correct read most of the time. He's a phenomenal offensive player, really. Obviously, there are some frustrating parts, but you know, he when you play when you play against a type of town, there you might get frustrated because they're just so great. They're so but great, yes. and that's what I meant by 70-30, man. It's seventy percent the refs, as you mentioned, because he's the littlest dude on the court. But it's thirty percent Trey Young. Trey Young is manipulating the motion or manipulating the defender or manipulating the situation in order to that to to make that very thing happen. And I take it back to a play. Um, not to jump to the fourth quarter too fast, but in this specific oh, example, I think you're, you know, I think the you're, one with Jimmy I think Butler. you're stepping yeah. on my toes. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead then, brother. Because I mean, <laughs> wait, it, wait, it, wait. No, go ahead. You go ahead. You you first come, first serve. You mentioned it first. Go ahead. It was a foul, but it's not a foul that 85 percent of the other guys in the league get because even though hand checking is a thing in the league, guys still have their hands on guys on 90 percent of the plays. But because Trey Young is so little, you know, oh, sorry, I almost threw some highlights on there in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that, guys. Um, but because Trey Young is so little, that hand on his hip, not only are you going to see it because he's so tiny and because anybody guarding him looks massive, but also because he's so tiny, the slightest little thing is going to throw him off and you're going to be able to see how much it throws him off. So, I mean, I and think he- it was a... Go ahead. And to be fair, he he is he cannot he also sells the call well. Absolutely, and that's what I mean. He manipulates the situation from the beginning of it to the end of it. Like he puts you in a position to have to put your hand on him, and then after you put your hand on him, he makes sure that he gives a Tony Award winning performance so the ref knows you put your hand on him. Yeah. Fortunately you weren't stepping on my toes. I want to talk about another play in the fourth quarter. Late in the fourth quarter, I might add. There was a pick and roll situation. By the way, this was an incredible okay, situation karate. game. This was, okay, this was an incredible situation game from Crotty. <laughs> a foul situation, a rebound situation. It was just a whole situation game. It's, uh, it seems like if Crotty surpasses a certain amount of situations in the game, the Heat lose. So if you see Crotty, if you hear Crotty saying situation a lot, that probably means we're going to lose. Well, you also can't forget about a, a DeAndre Hunter situation. <laughs> yes <laughs> like that was hilarious to me I think he's in on the joke right now I mean he, oh no absolutely he, he must totally. be he's responding to people on Twitter and everything like Friday totally knows what's going on and you know he reads to Twitter because I've heard him call Max Big Max at least three times by the way if he says click clack on the broadcast I think you're you're probably gonna pass away on the spot bro bro uh, bro I'm running to Puerto Rico to scream through your window. <laughs> Did you hear Cardi? <laughs> I mean, shit, I, I, I would probably lose my mind as well. So, the play I was talking about, there was a pick and roll between Clint Capella and Trey Young. Capella set a screen on Jimmy, Bu- on Jimmy Butler. Wait, yeah, no, he didn't actually set the screen because Trey Young, what he did was he beat Jimmy Butler and that forced Bam to come up. And then it was all over because Young just just threw the lob for Capella and it was an easy dunk. However, here's the thing. If, okay, let's see. Young beats Butler. So that forces Bam to make a decision. Do you leave him for the easy layup and hope for somebody else to rotate over and then force Trey Young to make a pass to the three-point line from which the Hawks are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA alongside the Miami Heat? Or... 
do you come up to him and force him to make a pass? Unfortunately, Clint Capella was right behind Bam. And that's what right. I want to highlight about Trey Young, Trey Young's ability to manipulate the defenders pick and roll situations. Okay, or... I'm glad you got there fast because I got something to say, but I'm going to see if you say it first because there's a reason, and that's probably all set up by Trey. There's a reason that you can't make the rotation decision there, but go ahead. Well, yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I was just going to say that it was smart of him to put Jimmy on his hip because then Jimmy is basically useless as a defender back then. And Absolutely. You put it, you're putting it all on Bam, which, you know, it's not a bet that most players would, would make because that's Bam on a bio. But since he's Trey Young, he's confident and he's got a good lob threat behind him. And Clint Absolutely, Capella. which yes. I think is, well, is mostly about Clint there for me because I don't even think man up. He'll try bad because he'll learn the lesson. Shout out to Coop. Um, Cooper, Cooper Moyet on Twitter, guys. He's my Heat guy. Um, basically, man, when Trey – Trey is really good at dictating space. And he – you know, his change of pace game is pretty good too. And, like, you mentioned getting Jimmy on your hip, which only occurs because you blow by him and then drop the gear so that he lands on your hip because he can't just, like, bust ass to get there because if you drop the gear, he's going to foul you. Well, here's the thing. You only have two options there if you're the defense. Allow him to get the layup or step up and hope that he can't make the pass to Capella. You don't have the rotation option there because he's already only two steps from the cup. You know what I mean? If he's free throw yeah. line extended, then maybe you have a chance to make the rotation. But because he doesn't start to orchestrate that situation until he gets maybe to that mid-post area, you don't have any time because he's cut the space down. And he's also making you play one-on-two at that point after he's cut the space down. So he's kind of limited your options. I mean, it just goes right back to your point of him being really good at being able to manipulate that whole situation. Yeah. Phenomenal offensive talent, as we have already said. Let's talk about Jimmy Butler for a second. But here's the thing. Do you think, do you consider Trey Young a volume shooter or do you consider him a good shooter? Volume shooter. I consider him a volume shooter as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's not a bad shooter, but he's not a great shooter either. He just shoots so many of them that, you know, if he can hit a decent amount, you know, it's going to work. Thankfully, the Steph Curry comparisons have died down because since he was at Oklahoma in the NCAA tournament run, they couldn't stop comparing him to Stephen Curry, and his game is so far away from what Stephen Curry does. He's more of a pick-and-roll maestro, a guy that takes deep shots, but he's nowhere near as efficient on them as Stephen Curry is. Right, and see, Steph Curry takes deep shots because he's using that to set you up for everything else. Trey Young takes deep shots because he has to. He can't get his shot off if he gets any closer but he also has to create that massive amount of space between you and the paint because that's the only he's not going to kill you from the middle trey i mean steph can kill you from all three levels trey has to take that deep shot hoping that you'll eventually come up where he can then get to the middle where he can get his float off can rarely get all the way to the cup or as he probably always hopes that he can throw the lob to one of his bigs so no i agree yeah let's talk about jimmy butler for a second this was a 
I wouldn't call it a particularly bad Jimmy Butler game. He filled out the stat sheet in other stat sheet in other areas, and he was generally good. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say if he was good or bad on defense. I don't. I wouldn't call anybody good on defense in this game except for Bam. Maybe PJ, but PJ left the game. By the way, PJ left didn't return in the second half of the game, and we got some yurt Bam minutes. Absolutely. By the way, on PJ, they're saying it's a knee, the knee. I won't, I won't say contusion, but just knee soreness. So. They're probably just being more safe than, you know, sorry on that knee. Because I think when he missed time a couple of weeks ago, it was a knee situation or a lower leg situation, right? Yeah. So, wasn't it like he kind of twisted his – I don't remember well. He kind of twisted his knee or something. And Either way, they, all that, I'm glad they're playing it safe because we're going to need P.J. to make a run. So, if taking him out is precautionary, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not mad at it. No. But, yeah, Jimmy Butler, 13 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals. You would think he, not the, some people might say that's a typical Jimmy Butler stat line. I would say, sure, it's a pretty nice stat line. But considering what happened in the game, it wasn't nearly enough. And considering who we didn't have, bro. We didn't have Cal Laurie and we didn't have Tyler Hero. Unacceptable. Continue. Yes. And as you, my friend, said on the pre-pod discussion, we lost this game twice. And I want you to expand at that point because I, I, I do agree with you, but I think you might explain it better than I than I could. Well, thank you so much for the lie, man. I'm gonna show you what you should have did and what Caleb would do. Um, we lost the game <laughs> twice, man. Early on and late, we lost it early on because we didn't play any defense. When you look at the Miami Heat late in the game, up until the fourth period, um, pretty much they were allowing the Atlanta Hawks to shoot nuts. There was a point late in the game where the um, where the Atlanta Hawks were shooting like sixty percent from the field and like forty two percent from three on eleven of twenty three attempts or something crazy like that. Like they were making a ton of shots, and the Miami Heat didn't want to play defense. It just seems like every time they made a play to get themselves somewhat close or to look like they were trying to get close, they would make a boneheaded play to allow their proximity to widen again. Um, and then that was the first reason you lost, because you just allowed them to go nuclear by not playing tight defense. Well, as we've been mentioning, the game tightened up late in the fourth quarter, and the Miami Heat actually had a chance to win. But they lost it again because on the final possession, where they have a chance to win the game, they run a boneheaded play. And I'm not going to say they run a boneheaded play, as it's spoke called the boneheaded play, But you have to imagine, and this is a point that you brought out to me, so I'll give you your credit. You have to imagine that Jimmy broke the play, which ended up resulting in a contested, deep three-pointer from the far right side of the court, the offside of the court looking at your TV. Um, I mean, and just based on the way it happened, bro, just based on what we know about Spolster, his after-timeout prowess, and then just based on the fact that Duncan Robinson had hit four or five colossal triples late in the game to bring us back to that point, almost being down double digits. You just say that that couldn't have been the play. So that's why you say we lost it twice, man. You didn't play any defense early on, which allowed the Hawks to get out to a 16, 17 point lead at points. But then you did all of that work in the fourth quarter to get the game back to a manageable one, two point lead where you actually had a possession late to go up. And you couldn't convert. I mean, you don't even mention the fact that Jimmy smoked the layup on the previous possession. But I mean, Which even was a, what? Go ahead. And I would, 
and I want to give Spoke right there because the play design was oh fantastic. Oh my god, a brilliant play. Brilliant. Brilliant play. And you even give Jimmy some credit because the execution was brilliant. The timing, like, here's the thing. The bam if pass. If you're a second early or a second late, that doesn't happen. But in order for you to be wide open like Jimmy was, you I mean, the timing, everything has to be perfect. Like you said, on the pass, on the go. And let's be fair. He's human, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. He misstepped, and you have to say misstep. At first, I thought it was the pass because if you look at Jimmy trying to finish that layup, his momentum was carrying him off towards the backside of the basket. I think he, which, I think he mistimed his jump or something. Right, and that's what I was about to say. So that's why I say he misstepped, or you know, you could say mistimed his jump, but the same thing. His timing was a little bit off when he went up because he, like, when he was trying to finish it, he had a wanky angle. But at the same time, if you're Jimmy Butler, you can't smoke that layup in that situation. Not a wide-open layup. Not after Spo has drawn up the Mozart of after-timeout plays. And not after Bam put it in place like a pool guy calling an eight-ball shot. I mean, like, that was a brilliant play, and you just can't do that if you're Jimmy. But like I said, man, you, you also can't break the play and take a contested tough three-point shot of your Jimmy to close the game, especially when you're Jimmy Butler and haven't shot the ball well since you've been in Miami. I know you made one early in the game, but especially when you haven't especially shot the ball well this season, and you shouldn't be the guy taking the shot. If you're going to take it, go to the cup and be the tank that you are and have been. If you want a three, get it to the guy that's been shooting lights out in the fourth period, Duncan Robinson, or at least the other guy that shot lights out at some point in the game, Max Struess. So that's how we lost it twice. Poor execution in the end and a lack of defense throughout the first three periods. Yeah. I want to let's talk a bit about Duncan Robinson in that fourth quarter. Four triple triples in that fourth quarter. He was he was one of the he was probably the main reason. No, absolutely. Why, He's the why we came back. Because he was he was basically Duncan of old. He was hitting absolutely. his open shots. He was hitting Contested shots off, bam handoffs. And, and we ain't talking know, about, and we ain't talking about your twenty-three foot short corner joints either. Yeah, and it also enabled the Miami Heat offense to operate much more freely because gravity, spacing. Now, see, but you bring up an excellent point, JJ. I, I didn't bring that up because we lost, but you saw it. All he had to do was hit three shots, and the whole defense opened up. Yeah, and that allowed Bam to drive to the basket. Also, Bam made some uh, made a really nice mid range jump shot at one point. I mean, the the mid range jump shot hasn't been there ever since he came back from the injury. Again, it's been only three games. The mid range jump shot has been a bit inconsistent at times. Well, yeah, it was the a little, entire year. That's what I was about to say. It was a little spotty before. He he started out the year blazing. He was hitting everything, and then it got a little spotty um, before he went out with injury. But I'll also say this. He probably didn't help himself out because not only did the conversion rate get a little spotty, but his attempts got a little spotty. But I will tell you this, and it's something I pointed out, and I know he's your favorite player, so I'm not telling you anything. I just have to say it. And you've really seen it <laughs> in a couple of games he's been back. When Bam faces up, Bam in the triple threat is unguardable. There is no four, there is no five in the league that can guard Bam Adebayo when he faces you up. Whether he hits you with the mid-range, whether he hits you with the jab and go, whether he hits you with the pump fake and go, whether he face you up, size you up, 
turn back around and decide to back you down. If he ever goes triple threat and faces you up, you cooked. Mm-hmm. Also, did you see that video of Floyd Mayweather talking trash to Bam in the game against the Blazers down in Miami? No, what happened? What happened? Tell me about it. Well, he was talking to Max, of all people. And then there was a play the Bam, you know, did his he face he he was facing up and he basically told Bam that he was he wasn't gonna shoot it because he's not a jump shooter. But yeah, it was something I came across social media and I thought we should Absolutely. We could talk I mean a bit about. well that's oh no, I got you. That's that but that's his way of motivating them because I'm gonna be honest with you and I think I mean it's Money Mayweather, so anywhere is his home team, but he's had a lot of Miami games. I would dare to say Miami is his favorite team. I mean you could you could have said that about Drake back in the early 2010s, but then he. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, a lot of famous people, a lot of famous people live in Miami. I think that's different though when you're talking like the big three era and now. You know what I mean? And we're not talking like Rick Ross or even DJ Khaled. You know what I mean? We're talking Shit, about. I think I've seen. I think I've seen. I think I've seen Bad Bunny in one in one of the games. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, look, man, we, we're talking about the Miami Heat. You're talking South Florida. You're talking a heavy Hispanic Cuban interest. You're going to get, you know what I mean, your Hispanic royalty coming through the building. It's just the culture. Yeah, that's the culture, yes. So anything else in the Hawks game that you want to talk about? No, also, man, also, I think... Before, go before we go, before we go from this game, I hate to be a... Debbie Downer, but this is the second time that Jimmy has blown a wide open layup in a crucial point of the game. Absolutely. Because that Kings game, he just blew the the layup. I tried to be nice in that in that game, but you said what I didn't want to say. He blew the layup. Oh, he and blew it. And this time, he also blew a layup. Oh yeah, I said it when he done it. He smoked it, smoked the layup. But you know what? Jimmy Butler is also the man that single handedly put us on his back and carried us to the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. So, am I going to sit hey, here and blame hey, uh, him for doing let's, that? Let's, nope. Let's not forget our guy, Goran, please. Oh, no. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But we know how big Jimmy Butler was in the bubble. You know what I mean? Oh, no. He went toe-to-toe with Absolutely. arguably the greatest player of all time in the NBA Finals. I mean, Finals, I'm just so. saying. So, and Jimmy, I put it to you like this. More often than he doesn't, he comes through. You know what I mean? When he doesn't come through, it's ugly. But what superstar isn't it ugly for, you know? I mean, it's funny because I'm pretty sure Jimmy Butler has a really high field goal percentage near the rim. Yo, but there are some I was, times, look, there, I was looking at that some, stat the other day, bro. His field goal percentage within five feet is it's crazy. But you would never know it looking at his game this year. No, sometimes you would say, God, this guy, he blows quite a bit of bunnies, you know. Because he does miss his bunnies. Like, it's a recurring, it's something that occurs with high amount of frequency in the games. But he's still a great finisher. It's the strangest thing, really. Absolutely. And I'll say this, man. To that point, you have to imagine that being a tank like he is, as I've called him um, earlier throughout this episode, and as we all know Jimmy is, there's a lot of time, and I'm not giving him a pass. I'm just trying to, like, rationalize how in the hell it can happen because he is such a great finisher through contact without contact in general 
on some of those misses, there's contact that alters the shot that isn't called. Has to be. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. I mean, because I mean, like I said, he does miss a ton of them. But you're also talking about a guy that 90% of the time when he's going to the cup, he's drawing contact. Whether the defense is just saying, we're not letting this motherfucker get another layup. Or whether Jimmy is saying, I'm going to seek out contact to go to the free throw line. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. He needs to make more of them than he misses. And he needs to start making half of the ones that he does miss. But at the same time, he's made a ton of them for us. And if you can allow anybody to come back and make it up for you the next game, it's Jimmy Butler. Which, going into our small preview before we wrap it up here, I want to say I'm not totally mad that he had the finish that he had because what that's going to ensure is a pissed-off Jimmy come Sunday, and it would please me nothing more than anything else than to embarrass the Los Angeles Lakers. Unfortunately, there's a guy on the other side wearing purple and gold. So you just gonna do you you just gonna do this to me right now? I thought I just said what I said. You just gonna throw this at my face like that? That goes by the that goes by the name of Malik Monk. Wait a minute! I thought you were going somewhere else. (laughs) Wait, might as well say what is? Might as well put him on the same conversation as as that other guy when he plays against the Miami Heat. I mean, you're right. I mean, because he turns. Okay, this is gonna be blasphemy. I mean, the man turns into Kobe when he plays in Miami Heat. Let's be real. <laughs> I mean, unconscious. I mean, listen, off the dribble, pull up, off the screen, dribble drive, and one from three. I mean, Malik Monk can do it all at the Miami Heat on the other side. I concur. Yeah, I, I thought that if he when he went to the Lakers, maybe that, that would have died that would die down. But no, unfortunately hasn't because our last game against the Lakers, he went off. Once again, so it's like it's like he sees those heat jerseys. Were we supposed to draft him or something? Like, did we have a pre-draft meeting with bro or something like that? I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know if somebody said something to him from the Heat organization or something. But it's like the guy. Did Pat Riley tell him he was never going to make it or something like that? I don't get it. I don't get it. It's like I, I don't know, man. I don't know what he, what they did to him. But Jesus, that man has. That man has a vendetta against the Miami Heat. But anyway, the L.A. Lakers come to town on Sunday, January 23rd. Fresh off of a colossal win over the Magic. Fresh off a colossal win over the Magic. A game against the mighty Orlando Magic. So, yeah, the Lakers, they always make the headlines. But this time they're making the headlines for the wrong reasons. They have sucked this season and... And that's what a capital S, everybody. Sucked. S-U-C-K-E-D. Sucked. They have not been good on defense. Their coach is reportedly coaching for his for his job every single game, which I don't know, man. If you're floating those type of, of rumors before the trade deadline, then you might as well just go ahead and fire the guy because I... I wouldn't want that cloud hanging over my head heading into a stretch run of the season, especially Absolutely. with the type of season that the Lakers are having. And it's not like the, it's not like it's all the all of his fault, you know. You basically took away all of his perimeter defenders and replaced them with Avery Bradley, Russell Westbrook, and Malik Monk. Oh, and Kendrick Nunn too, you know. Kendrick Nunn, the guy who Lakers Twitter somehow thought was a 
a good defender. But you know, Kendrick's still nursing an injury. We hope he comes back soon because he absolutely shout out to Kendrick, who you know the culture discovered. But there's a report out there, and I don't know how true this is, but I'm just going to mention it. Um, since you know Lakers fans were so gung ho on Kendrick Nunn, there's a report out there that the Lakers offer or are offering Kendrick Nunn a first round pick and wait for it, the mighty THT for Jeremy Grant. <laughs> oh man. I don't know why Lakers Twitter Lakers Twitter thinks that THT is some sort of valuable trade chip. <laughs> they think he's I mean they have to think he's like D Wade light or something, bro. Like the hype is too unreal, bro. It's too unreal. And by the way, Kuzma has been balling lately. Oh yeah, they, they, they've been terrible with their moves. Like if you look at the Lakers, I'm gonna be honest with you, and 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 of course you know hindsight is twenty twenty. But let me ask you something: If you're the Lakers, what would you do to have Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram on your team right now? Listen, I wouldn't even have one. I don't think I wouldn't even want all those guys back because those are the guys that got me AD. And AD is an incredible talent, and I still would have him on my team. I but, feel you, bro. I feel you. But if you take AD and give him the who the fuck ever and bring all three of those guys back, you might be in a better place. I'm just saying. Even though neither one of those guys are as good as AD, you still end up with more talent. Hmm. I don't know about that. Maybe. I, I, I don't know about that. I don't, because, I don't, I don't want to say and, and, no, and, and, and I get it, and I get it. You know, it's okay. You can be a coward. I'm just joking, brother. Um, having AD puts you in a situation where you have to put the all Jeritol squad around him. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but the thing that made them so good, and, you know, aside from beating our guys in the finals, they were so good because they had perimeter defenders, guys that knew what they were doing. Kuzma held his own in the perimeter. KCP, Alex Caruso, those guys are all gone. And now you're stuck. You know, Frank Vogel can't run, you know, his scheme. He, I don't know what else, what the hell he can run. Russ isn't setting any screens because I thought that might have been, that might have been the optimal way to have him on the floor at the same, at the same time as LeBron. Maybe have him set some screens, work more as a slasher. But no, not even that. And, you know, Going back to the, and again, as you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. The Lakers had a deal in place for Buddy Heald. As, I mean, shit, Walsh reported that the day was done. And then came the Russell Westbrook bomb. But yes, they had a deal in place, I believe, for Buddy Heald. And they only gave up Kuzma and Trez. So you still would have been able to keep KCP and potentially Alex Caruso. And all you had to give up was Kyle Kuzma. And a guy who were you you probably weren't going to trade anyway because he didn't work out there. So you could have had a movement shooter, an elite shooter at that, to pair alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and you still would have kept your elite perimeter defenders. And as we discussed in the past, not necessarily tonight before the show, but just in chatting over the last couple of days, the Lakers let Caruso go because they didn't want to pay it. How about that? The Lakers... <laughs> Cheap and they cheap, cheap, cheap. They could have, they could have absolutely matched the offer. I mean, shit. He, I think, I think he said it like on the JJ Reddick, JJ Reddick's podcast. He said that the Bulls made him the offer, 
then he went back to Lakers and said, hey, the Bulls are offering me this. Can you guys match? And they said no. <laughs> wow. That's, but you know, that's what happens when you don't have Pat Riley on your team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree, man. So, by I got to ask By the way, Go ahead. Oh, talking about speaking of Pat Riley, there's a book that came out by Chris Herring of Sports Illustrated, Blood in the Garden. I'm definitely gonna buy it. There's a section there. There, there's a lot of Miami Heat talk in there for a bit Absolutely. because of the well, Pat I mean, Riley you gotta realize That's what I was about to say. But also, you're talking about an era where, you know, some of the most physical battles occur between the Heat and the Knicks. Yeah, wasn't that isn't that famous picture of Jeff Ben Gundy trying to for it? Fight for his life to hold. Oh I think it was, yeah, it was, was against the Heat, on, right? I think so. Was it Charles Oakley's leg or something? Yeah, <laughs> he was basically trying yeah. unsuccessfully, I might add, to hold he on used to the life. as an ankle weight. Yeah, yeah. Those I wasn't alive by 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 then, but yeah. They, I didn't say it, JJ. You did. I didn't say it. You did. <laughs> they are well documented. They had well documented battles in the nineties. The Miami Heat and the New York Knicks. I might add. So yeah, I'm Absolutely. definitely going to get that book because the Heat connection and you know, I like sports books. But yes, you were going to say something, Kenneth. Yeah, man. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, while we were on the Lakers there, um, moving to the Sunday game, how are you feeling about it? Um, easy win, win, tough game. What do you think? Well, I wouldn't call it. Okay. Every time you go against a LeBron James-led team, it's not going to be an easy win. As much as you know, as much as you know, the guy lately has been souring on me. He's still my favorite player of all time, my favorite athlete. Ever, I he's still LeBron seen. James, man. Still LeBron James. He's still LeBron James. He's been <laughs> on fire lately. If but only the Lakers. If only the Lakers were like the fifth seed or something, he might be leading the MVP race. Because right. let's let's talk about that quickly. Kevin, by the way, we. And you know we should have talked about this earlier in the in an earlier episode because it affects us directly. Kevin Durant is slated to miss about who was it six to eight weeks, six to eight weeks uh, with four to, uh, six, weeks. Four to, four six, to six, weeks. six weeks with an MCL sprain. Similar so, thing to um, Lonzo Ball. Uh, I'm not going to say it's four to six weeks, but Lonzo Ball for the Bulls is also scheduled to miss a substantial amount of time with a knee situation. And you have Zach Levine, who they received positive news on today. But they don't have a timetable for him either as the Bulls play on Friday night after the Hawks game is when we're recording. The Bulls play the Bucks on Friday night, but Zach Levine would also miss that game and the following two. So you have a whole bunch of injury situations going on that are working out for the Heat, which I also covered at allyoucanheat.com recently. As By the way, check him out, y'all. By the way, the Bucks, the Bucks defeated the Bulls. So Okay, so, so the Bucks ended up beating the Bulls? Yeah, our chase for the one seed is still alive. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is always lovely. But back to your Kevin Durant news. Yes, Kevin Durant is going to miss a substantial amount of time. So that leaves Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Well, part-time Kyrie Irving to... Who said he's not going to... Who said that's not going to influence him or encourage him to get the vaccine, by the way. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for that piece of information, Kyrie. I'm just saying. That's... (laughs) That's a nugget. Yeah. The Nets might drop in the standings. That's if James Harden suddenly returns to the James Harden of old, which 
seems unlikely, given that he's, I don't know what's wrong with him. Maybe he's, I don't know if his conditioning thing is just an ability thing, whatever. I don't know what it, what that I is. I think it's, hey, bro, once you, if you're used to doing that, you have to stay in the practice and the habit and in shape to do that. And I think once you stop doing that with regularity, as much as he did for Houston, it takes, a, like, you can't just flip that kind of switch back on midseason. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's still young enough where if he wanted to get back to that style, which there's a chance he might because there are rumblings that he's not going to be in Brooklyn beyond this year. Um, but, right, right. Yeah, like those rumblings, those things, that rumor has been, like, percolating for a while. because Absolutely. They didn't give him the money, the extension. So, you know, it was valid. But if in the offseason, he can get back there, but not midseason. So I don't see it. There's going to be some slippage there. And that's why I brought up the Bulls injury, too, because you're, saying you're going to see slippage from both of those teams. Yeah. So hopefully the Heat can grab the first seat by the, by the horns. And hopefully we see our guy, Coach Spo, be the coach at the All-Star game. Absolutely. I... Had, I Real like I came to that realization today. Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat coaching staff might be back in, at the All Star game. There you go. Who would have thought? There you go. That's in, that's great, really. So, Kenneth, do we win on Sunday? Oh, after the way that this Atlanta Hawks game ended, yes, we win, and we win by ten or more. Yeah, and by the way, this Laker team, they suck. And that's with a capital S. S-U-C-K-E-D. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No E-D. Suck. <laughs> no, they still suck. They haven't sucked. They suck. Okay, so they're just sucking right now. A anyway, we're going too deep. But they suck. Yes. With that being said, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a show review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And also, you can start leaving reviews on Spotify. That really helps the show grow. So please, please, please do that favor for us. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. And where can they find you on social media, my friend? They can find me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at JJRIV as in Victor ERA NBA. And on Instagram, you won't find a lot of basketball content there. You just find a lot of pictures of my dog. But still, at JJ Rivera. And glamour Rivera shots of JJ. Glamour shots of JJ as well on his Instagram. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. As, I come with the Instagram. As again. Kenneth likes to say, that my GQ magazine. Oh, God. I'm, my pronunciation today sucks. My uh, GQ magazine shots in there, if you're interested in that. I don't, I don't think you will. But anyway, <laughs> at Rivera 98 that's J-A-I-R-O-R-I. V.S. and Victor, once again, E-R-A-98. And where can they find you, Kenneth? On Twitter, they can find me at K said K. That's K underscore S-A-I-D underscore Q-U-E. Again, K said K on Twitter and on Instagram. That's I-M-K Sirius. I'm going to get it right this time. That's I-A-M-K-C-I-R-R-U-S. Again, I-M-K Sirius on Instagram. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll be back Sunday after the Lakers game. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye.